0: My title is Garden Attachment and I'm my goal is to present a core teaching of the Bible that I believe is often missed and I believe it's deeply encouraging certainly I've been encouraged very deeply as I've studied this and so my outline today is first of all I want I want to talk about what it means to be human what it means to be human second God designed us like this and meets this need. And third, why this is so encouraging? So, first of all, what it means to be human. If we were to go back into the uh, the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, there was a social revolution where um, there was uh, personal independence was stressed. And here's a, a recent writer has uh, described this. Numerous pop psychology books tell us that separation, self-sufficiency, and independence are the hallmarks of maturity and the prerequisites to true intimacy. So this is the, the kind of the revolution of the 1960s and 70s. Many of us have already taken the road that beckons towards independence, but found instead that it can lead to isolation. When this happens, we assume that we are at fault, We have not learned how to be fully independent. The solution many psychology books and psychotherapists offer to combat loneliness and isolation is to be strong enough to stand alone. Don't depend on others to love and affirm you. Know what you want. Find it within yourself. Be your own best friend. Heal yourself. Only then will you be mature and ready for love. And then she goes on to say this has been a complete failure. It Actually, the idea that humans are independent does not work. So in the last few decades, there's been some amazing studies that have been done with children that have completely turned this view upside down. And these studies are generally under the title of attachment, and I'll describe to you one of the key studies that was done by a woman called Mary Main. What she did an experiment on a 12-month-old child, or many, many thousands of 12-month-old childs have done this experiment. They're with their mother, and it's called the strange situation. They go with their mother into a place they've never been to, a room they've never been to, with some toys, and they start playing with the toys. And they leave them maybe five minutes, they're playing with their mother and the toys, and everything is fine. And then a stranger comes into the room, and they 're watching what 's happened through glass windows. A stranger comes into the room and the mother leaves and The child is distressed about this and you know, mother 's gone and with the stranger and it leaves for just a few minutes and then the mother comes back and What is critical is what happens where the mother returns <clears throat> so some children the, 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 the well adjusted children well They'll be very pleased. The mother's to return. They'll run. They'll grab hold of the mother. They'll be they'll be uh, comforted, and then they'll start playing with the toys again. But then they found um, across all cultures and across all ethnic groups the same kind of patterns. A significant number of children would be refused to be comforted. They would just cling to the mother, and sometimes get angry with the mother for leaving. And sometimes they would just then they just wouldn't be comforted, and it took them a long time to settle down. And um, they they called these children ambivalent or preoccupied. Now it turns out that later in life, they found that children, when they did this at this age, later on in life when they were dating at, at um, maybe in you know in their late teens and 20s they would be- be- they would show behavior which they would very get easily get very anxious about their partner and very very easily get you know is this do they love me do they not very sensitive to the possibility they might be abandoned and very easily triggered by things that might raise their anxiety and they and they they term this an anxious preoccupied however another significant group of children When the mother returned, ignored them and would just carry on playing. Now they knew from measurements on the child's body that the child was just as anxious, but they were suppressing it. And the child had learned, hey, life sucks. You People, you know, you just can't depend on people. Even at 12 months old, they'd shut themselves down emotionally so they wouldn't, uh, wouldn't feel the pain. And this predicted behavior, pretty reliably predicted behavior when they were dating and when they were married to somebody who would be, would be very reluctant to get emotionally engaged because life is tough and people abandon you, so why get involved when you know it's going to end up bad in the end? And there were some other results as well, but those were the main results. Um, now, um, what's really interesting when we look at the scriptures is that uh, we see, uh, actually let me just summarize this. In the last 50 years, careful observation of close relationships, particularly between parents and children, has led to the conclusion that a specific kind of attachment is at the core of what it means to be human. It's been found, furthermore, that how these children are attached to their, their mothers and then later their fathers actually predicts whether they're going to suffer from mental ill health, whether they're going to be resilient in the face of trauma in their life, um, lots of other things that it predicts in their life. Um, and the conclusion from this is, The opposite to what was said in the 60s and 70s. In fact, humans were never intended to be independent entities, but have healthy dependencies. That's what we were designed for. And part of the grand story of the Bible is that God wants to develop this depth of connection. Now we've all heard that God is, wants a relationship with you, you know, God is a relational God, but actually this is going further than saying God wants a relationship because you can have lots of relationships, but being attached to someone is a far deeper thing. So what I'm going to argue today is core to the message of the Bible is that God doesn't just want a relationship with you. God wants a deep attachment that is secure, that actually is what you are wired for, what you were designed for, what you are made for, and a, a relationship that you can depend on and be connected with forever. So I, I want to argue then that... Um, that the in the Bible, God preserved historical stories to preserve the stories of Abraham and and David and many others. And I want to argue that that He preserved these stories specifically to teach us about how He attaches and how people attach to Him. Because when you look at them, they are really stories of attachment. So God desires attachment with humans. In the Bible front and center god is present is god's presentation of himself as someone to whom we can be securely attached um, and i want to say that he is a safe and secure attachment figure well let's go back to the biggest uh, significant story of a relationship we have in the bible who would that be what's the first significant relationship where there's relational stories worked out. Can you tell me? Abraham. Yes, exactly. Like half of Genesis is about the story of God and Abraham. Now you're not wrong about those who said Adam, you're not wrong. It's just, I was looking for something on a bigger scale than that. So let's look at what happened with, do you know how the story started out with Abraham? Does anybody remember what the initial connection with God was? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Not to start with, but then what was the first connection that he had with God? What happened at the beginning? Yes, he asked him to leave his hometown. So here we have it, Genesis 12, and then it's quoted in Hebrews 11. Now the Lord said to Abraham, he was, wasn't, he was, later his name was changed to Abraham. Go out from your country, your relatives and your father's household to a land that I will show you then i will make you a great nation i will bless you so he is saying i want you to take the risk of every security that you have your family, you know everybody all the connections you have i want you to trust just in me in other words prove whether i am are trustworthy, as an attachment figure. Like, can I replace your, your family, your parents, everything like that? And in it was quoted in Hebrews, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, and he went out without understanding where he was going. Leave your family security and trust that I will be enough for you. Take the risk that you can trust me. This is ultimately what attachment is about. It's about trust, which often the word faith is used. Faith and trust are really the same thing. Um, Often I prefer trust because trust is more directed towards a person uh, in the way that we use it. And so trusting God is actually about what this attachment is. Now, when we see... The relationship between Abraham and God developing. This is exactly what it ha- what happens. Abraham is kind of going through times where he says, "God, you know, can I trust you? How are things going to work out?" And God makes some promises, and Abraham uh, Abraham um, is is what is God going to keep them? And then we get the amazing story of God making a covenant with Abraham, and a covenant is the ultimate promise of security. A covenant is when um, in, the, in in these days we have contracts which people make and you sign the contract at the bottom but there's no relationship with the person you have a contract. You know, if you buy a car or a house or something you don't form a relationship generally with the person you've bought from. A covenant in ancient times not just in the Bible but in we have covenants from all over the ancient Near East in archaeology. They are formed as a relationship with two people to bind them together. And, um, uh, uh in, in Genesis 15, we read, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. And he made a covenant with Abraham. So what actually happened? Well, those of you who have been here at New Life a longer time, you know that we actually reenact part of this covenant as one of the sermons that I do. But essentially, well, we don't reenact it with all the blood. We, we essentially, what happens is Abraham had to cut some animals into two and place them side by side, uh, across one another. And this was a symbolism. And then. This was common in all of the ancient covenants. They would do this. They'd cut animals into two. And then the parties who are making the covenant together would, but together walk between the pieces. And what they're saying is this is so serious that if I break this promise, I want, I'm going to be like, become like these animals that are cut into two. I'm taking this, this, that, this seriously. With Abraham, what God did is he got Abraham to cut the animals and then only God went between the pieces, symbolized by, by, a, 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 a torch going between the pieces. And what that was saying was, this is a one-sided covenant. I'm promising to, 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 um, to do all these things for you. But actually you, you don't have any performance that's required of you. You just receive this, these blessings that I'm giving you. This is so secure that God himself is making this, this covenant. And so, um, the covenant then is a promise between two people where they are locked together in this, um, this relationship. Now, when we look at covenants in ancient times, when we look at the archaeology, we find that often they're like a father-son type figure, like a, a greater king and a lesser king. They're, they're, there's usually a greater and a lesser one. But we've never, ever seen one in ancient religions between God and man. Never. Christianity is unique. Ancient gods don't make relationships, particularly attachment relationships, with human beings. What we have in the Bible is not mirrored in any other records of the time in any of the other religions. This is unique, that God should make an attachment with a human. And we, when we look at the the archaeology of, of the, the parallel and what's going on in Genesis 15, it's shocking that God would actually stoop to the, the language and imagery That was, that Abraham would understand and say, Abraham, look, I know you're worried and maybe you're, you're insecure about this. I'm going to do the very best thing I can do to give you security in this relationship. So he's recognizing, God is recognizing Abraham's insecurity and doubt, which before this passage, Abraham's been expressing his doubt. And he's saying, I want to give you the greatest security that you know I'm there for you. You know I will never abandon you. You know you can trust me. I asked you to leave your family because I I would provide for you. You can trust me. And eventually, as as we know, it worked out and everything was promised to Abraham came true. So why is this given to us in the Bible? Why is such a long story of Abraham given to us? Because God is very concerned that we understand how he does relationships. God's giving us that story as a pattern. And the pattern is this. He asks us to do things. We trust him. We commit to him and he comes through. He will not abandon us. And we read this story for a purpose because he's giving us a pattern of what he is like. It's not the only pattern. In fact, the Bible is full of such patterns. When they've looked at children and they've seen what, what actually constitutes a, a relationship? How do these children make relationship with their mothers and with their fathers? One of the key things they found is the face. It's face to face. The child engages the mother, and the mother engages the child, and through that, attachment occurs. And we'll see that idea in a minute coming through in the Bible. But um, uh, another idea is that in attachment, you attach to somebody who's stronger, who's wiser, who who can provide for you, who, who you can, can care for. Uh, well, you might say, well, how does that work in marriages? Because marriages are attachment. Well, the best answer I've heard is that um, in a marriage, you take it in turns to be the stronger and wiser one. So I, then if the married people here can, I think that's true, I think that's a good answer. You know, sometimes you need them, sometimes they, they need you. But it's not one person who's always providing for the other one. So in attachment, you know you will never be abandoned. A key idea is being seen and known. To have somebody who really knows you and knows who you are and says, I know you. I know what you love. I know your desires. I know who you are. And I can see you in that. And I, and I want to help you in that is so deeply important for us. A good parent will really understand their child, will really see who they are. And as we're seen, as we're seen deeply, and we're acknowledged, and somebody takes joy in who we are as people, that enables us to develop as a person. Very, very important. And what we see in some scriptures, uh, amazingly, how important this is. So, for example, in the, in one of the Psalms, it's all about God, David saying to God, you know me, you know everything about me. You've known me since I, before I was born. You know, you know every single thing about me, uh, and how wonderful that is to me. And uh, in First in Corinthians thirteen, Paul talks about then we will know even as we are known, even as we're known, even as God knows us, we'll we'll know. Uh, so we'll see that in some other places as well. <clears throat> Another thing in attachment is that the, the best, the strongest relationships are, are, are ones that have been broken and repaired. If, if a child never has a break with their mother, never has a time where they feel that something's gone wrong, they'll never learn how to repair relationships. And so the strongest relationships are ones where you've had a disagreement and then you know it can get back together again. Cause then you know I don't have to worry if things are not perfect because I know there's going to be, things can be resolved. What is extraordinary then about how God presents himself is exactly that. It's break and repair. The break in Eden, and we come, some people said Adam, and that, in fact, is the first attachment example because Adam was, started off with this relationship with God and it was broken. And he was hiding from God. When God returned to the garden, he was hiding. But God restored that with him. God restored that and ultimately promised to restore the relationship with humankind. But you see this with Abraham, with David, with many stories. David is a particularly good example because there were some severe breaks with David's relationship with God that were restored. You see Jesus and the disciples break and restoration. Peter a break and then a restoration. And of course, us in our lives, it's when we know that we can sin and then God will have us back again. It it gives us the strength in our attachment with him. And so those are some key ideas which um that have been spotted as been seen in children and people as they grow up, but we see so clearly in the Bible. So let's look at another story. Um, One of you mentioned Moses and uh, um, Moses had the same, the same idea was there in Exodus 33. We read Moses is is uh, having this amazing relationship with God. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. There was a tent pitched outside the camp. Now we don't know what Moses looked like, what God looked like to Moses, but some way God appeared to Moses, and he could have this this uh, intimate conversation with him. So Moses said to the Lord, "If your presence will not go with it with me, be." with me. Do not bring us up from here. And he's talking about going into the promised land. He's saying, basically, God, I need you. I need you to be with me. I'm not prepared to go anywhere unless you are with me. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you've spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Do you see? Isn't that special? He knows Moses. He knows him intimately. He knows everything about him. And so Moses can Go with confidence to lead this horrific group of people um, because God is with him and God will never leave him. Well, I could spend a lot more time going through stories, but I'm just going to summarize some of them. The person who followed Moses was was Joshua. And we read uh, God saying to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not abandon you or forsake you. Pure attachment language, which he needed at that time because Moses was gone. Moses was like his father figure. Moses was gone. Um, And then uh, we can read on in Isaiah. Isaiah says, but God said, the Lord, sorry, Zion said, that's Israel, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. God's promise that he is the kind of God who will not abandon us, who will be take hold of us, and we can be secure in him. Um, Well, one of you also mentioned David, and many of the psalms are... Reflect this imagery about can I trust God? And for the last, the previous two weeks, I've been looking at that kind of language in the Psalms. Why have you forsaken me? Why is your face hidden from me? And David, if you were trying to understand what he was like, maybe he was a, he could easily feel God had abandoned him. Maybe that was his one of his personality weaknesses. But actually, that's great for us because then we, when we're feeling like that, we can see the Psalms that express those feelings. And Psalm twenty. 7 particularly expresses this. He says, he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help. Cast me off. Forsake me not. O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Do you see this language? Exactly what I've been talking about. God is positioning Himself as the one who will provide, who will stand in that place as the one who will be our ultimate security that he will never abandon us. He is there for us. He is the one we can come to and trust. Now, of course, God designed us in this way. God God created us, and we are wired for a relationship with God. But it's not just a relationship with God. Oh, he's a good friend of mine. It's this kind of relationship where he provides for us, and we can be fully human because we know he's always going to be there for us. So I'm going to just show some um, some more examples of this. That was Psalm 27, and uh, we could go and see more in the Old Testament. There's lots of places in the Prophets where God is speaking to Israel, and He's speaking languages of, of like, "You're you're you're my child. Why have you gone away? Come back. I will look after you." That same kind of language. But when we come to the New Testament, we see what made it very clear in the Old Testament reach a brilliant intensity of of attachment. And you see the language so strong. Jesus says, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. He says that to his disciples. one of the one of the strengths of of a, of a good attachment relationship is the other person can empathize with you they know what it's like for you they can they can feel what it's like and this is stressed in in our relationship with Jesus for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin so that means he he can see us and he can see what we like and he knows what it's like for us He knows what it feels like to be where we are. Um, um, So here's another statement. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that... Uh, Isn't that clear? Isn't that amazing? It's the security that we can have. Nothing can separate us from his love because of what Jesus has done. Because Jesus is actually able, if we mess up, if we break the relationship with God, Jesus can bridge that back again by covering our sins, by paying for the sins that we have committed. Um, Earlier on, uh, when we started and quoted a verse... Your life is hidden with Christ in God, in from Colossians. Our life is hidden with Him. Our life is hidden in Him, um, and that that's part of something. And I've not put any verses up for you, but there are, there are many, many, many verses that talk about the core idea of what it means to be a Christian. The core idea of what it means in the New Testament. Now. Sometimes the core idea is presented as our sins being washed away. Sometimes the core idea is presented, well, you're going to go to heaven. But the way that the New Testament presents it is union with Jesus, united with him. And it says our sins are dealt with because he died on the cross and because we're united with him, our sins are dealt with. We know we're going to go to glory because we're joined with him and he's in glory. So all the benefits that we have as a Christian. All the benefits that we have come from being connected with Christ. Now, what does that mean, connected with Christ? It means inseparably joined to God. This is extraordinary, that God should actually want us mortals to be inseparably, eternally connected with him. What an extraordinary fact. This is the ultimate attachment, and this is what Jesus came to do. Um, As I studied this and as I read this, I became very excited, and you can probably tell that this, this excites me, and excites me for a number of reasons. Partly excites me because it really enriches my relationship with God. When I know that when i 'm feeling kind of a bit, I need you god god doesn 't mind because that 's what He wants. He wants me to come to him, you know, just like a parent if you child 's fallen over and they 've grazed their knee the parent wants the child to come to them to be patched up because that's what the relationship's about. God actually wants me to need him. He wants that, and that really enriches my relationship with God. <clears throat> Another thing it does is in it enriches my relationship with other Christians because I realize that actually Jesus came to create a community of love it's not just doing nice things for one another, but it's people who are there for one another, whatever it takes. People are going to be there no matter how bad things are, because that is what God is like. And that's the community that Jesus wants. And I find that so encouraging and enriching. Um, the other thing that, uh, uh, among other things, reasons why I'm excited about this, is... <clears throat> It, it, it's Christianity is so different to every other religion that's there. I mean, Islam, think of Islam. Does the God of Islam, does Allah want to attach? No, <laughs> he's totally other. You can't see, he's just completely separate. The idea of attachment would be horrific to to Muslims that you would actually attach to God. There's nothing in Muslim teaching that's got Anything like this kind of attachment language. Nothing whatsoever. Um, not only what about Buddhism? Well, Buddhism is actually the opposite, because in Buddhism, it's actually about non-attachment. It's about actually detaching yourself. The way to stop worrying is just detach yourself. Don't if you if you're worried about somebody, then just detach from them. Um, the, 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 in the historical records of the Buddha, when he wanted to go on his search for twin suffering, he actually his wife was giving birth to their first son, and the day she was giving birth, he walked out and left because he wanted to s- discover what the, you know, how to deal with suffering. And you deal with suffering, he discovered, just by not being attached to anybody not worrying about anybody then you don't you don't suffer you know you just detach from it and so this is the opposite teaching to buddhism it's not just different it's the pure opposite so what about um, hinduism none of the hindu gods have got the kind of uh, uh language that's used here it's just not part of the culture new age spirituality um The other kinds of religious ideas. No, they're impersonal. They're forces. They're spiritual forces. They're not about a personal God who wants to be connected with you in this way. Um, But another thing that helps me, and I'm going to end with this, is that it helps me understand when things can go wrong. God understands this very core part of humanity. Far from turning his back on us, he embraces it. Partly this is because he's made us in this way, and partly he himself is like this. So God actually, God's own nature is one that attaches, which is completely different to to other religions. And God is unique among the gods. So um, I want to then talk about some things that can go wrong. So uh, sometimes I'm stressed about whether God cares, uh, and, and can I trust him? Uh, does God really care for me right now? And when I realized that actually... Asking questions like that is the norm because we, this is about what, what relationships are. And if I'm asking a question like that, I don't have to say, oh, something horribly wrong with me. I have to say, no, this is how relationships, attachment relationships work. There are times when I will be stressed. Does God care? And God will repair that and come back and, and he will make it, make, make, um, me, uh, take away my, my concerns. And part of growing, as a child grows in a family, the child has to learn that just because the parent isn't there doesn't mean that the parent doesn't love them. And it's the same with God. We have to learn that we might not feel God's presence all the time, but he still loves us. And so, so the other thing is sometimes... We can have something go wrong that we can have the, the reaction of that young child that just ignored the mother when they returned that say, Oh, I don't need anybody. I'm just going to depend on myself. I've just got, I just can't trust anybody. And we can have the opposite reaction to God and that can go wrong. And the solution to that is we have to recognize that this is something we need to work on and we need to go into this, um, uh, get to the point where we can be attached to God. Um, and the good news is the detachment repair leaves us even stronger. So uh, this is why this truth delights me so much. It enriches my relationship with God. It helps me understand my relationship with God. Um, and one of the big questions that comes from work with children and in our relationship with God is how you repair. When things have gone wrong, how do you repair and you repair from an experience of a relationship. You repair as you experience God's love. And uh, you, you repair by stepping out and taking a risk and saying, um, I want to trust you, God, and putting yourself in a position where he can love you. And just like Abraham did. Now, it may be that this morning you are not a follower of Jesus. You're not a Christian. You may be interested and you say, well, this sounds good, but how do I get into this point where God says he will never abandon me? How do I get there? This sounds really good. Well, you do what Abraham did back in in the beginning when God said, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust that I will look after you. I will be secure for you. And what you do is you say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to trust you. I want to trust you with my life. I want to take that step of following you. And when you do that, then he begins this relationship with you, which will never die. It will last forever. You're taking a step of trust. And so um, I'm conscious as I'm giving this that as I'm showing this slide here, there may be people who right now are in on the first bullet point. They're stressed about whether, whether God cares for them and whether they can trust him. And I want to let you know that that's not, that's not abnormal. That's normal in any deep trusting relationship that you should go through this. On the other hand, there may be people who are saying, you know, I, I just, uh, God's there, but, you know, I'm, I, I, I just live my life. I, I take care of myself. And you may not be saying that, but that's really how you're living your life. And I want to say to you, yeah, that's something that happens, but I want to pray for both people in this situation. I want to pray for you if you're in the first line there, and I want to pray for you if you're in the, in the second line there. Um, and I'm going to, pr- I want to pray that God repairs this with you and restores this relationship with you. Father, I thank you that right from the beginning, you've presented yourself as a God who wants to deeply connect to us, who will never abandon us, who is with us. I thank you, God, for that. And I thank you for how much that encourages me. And I pray, God, for people right here who are going through a struggle in that relationship with you, who, who are just questioning whether they can trust you, questioning whether you were there for them, questioning whether or not you will abandon them. Lord, I pray for them. I pray, Lord, you will you will come close to them, Lord. You'll give them an experience of your love. You will enable them to trust you and to take these words of scripture to heart and to believe them. And Lord, for those of us who are just living our life within our own strength because we don't really think we can trust anybody, Lord, I pray for those of us, Lord, to be able... To give ourselves to you, be able to trust ourselves to you, be able to take that step. And Lord, if if we're not yours, if someone here or people here are not Christians, Lord, I pray that you, you, Lord, that you would, you would lead them to you and you would show them how wonderful you are and how, what it means to be deeply related and attached to you in Jesus' name. Amen.